Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are things going today? Things are going pretty, pretty swellingly. Well, okay, in a sense, they're not, because I think I left too much work for the weekend. Like, I, on Friday, I just wasn't terribly productive. And so I have to do all these things this weekend. And then I didn't do them yesterday, so I have to do them today. And I, today I was tied up with a bunch of other stuff, like podcast and podcast members call and things like that. So now I have to do them after we record this. <laughs> I'll record um, this at like 6 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> on a Sunday evening. So your Sunday evening is going to be... Uh, okay, what does this look like? Like, you can do whatever you want, basically. So, like, what does this, like, thing of I've left work? Like, why not just do it tomorrow? Like... You're the founder of the company. You could be just be like, you know, what, I'm going to take the weekend off. Or is that not really how it works? It could be how it works. But like, I, I have like an internal compass for, or like, a, you know, barometer for like what pace we should be moving at and what should get, be getting done. And it wouldn't, it would make me uneasy if, uh, if I push this stuff to tomorrow. Um, I, I think in a sense, I do need to get better at just like knowing when to draw the line because there is a, yeah, knowing when I've done like an honest day's work. And I think I'm pretty good at that. I'm just bad at doing an honest day's work. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think why, I'm, why are you bad at doing an honest day's work? I think, I think I don't know, we've talked about it before. I think I know that like in the worst case scenario, I could just like work late or work on the weekend or something. And so, you know, I know that oh, maybe I can like waste a bit of time in the afternoon or something like that. I, I feel like in between tasks, is where a lot of time gets wasted, um, just kind of dilly dallying around, and then like there are there are also inter- interruptions to my day um, that I have to just kind of deal with. Like so that, scheduled but, Zoom calls, <laughs> uh, less so the scheduled Zoom calls, more more the unscheduled things. Um, but yeah, look, it's not too interesting. I think I'm just like generally, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're in a bit of a productivity slump, and you know what I found really useful to help me get out of productivity slumps. What? doing online courses over at Brilliant, who are very kindly sponsoring this episode of the podcast. As a reminder, if you guys have been living under a rock, Brilliant is the best online platform for courses in maths, science, and computer science. Uh, And so if you want to check those out, you should go to brilliant.org forward slash not overthinking. And then the first 200 people to hit that link, which is also in the show notes, will get 20% off the annual premium subscription. Recently, I've been looking a lot into crypto. Uh, I made a video about an introduction to Bitcoin, and I've been learning all about like the kind of the SHA-256 function and how like the how Bitcoin actually works. And genuinely, I'm not just saying this, like Brilliant's course is the single best. So the three blue, one brown video as an introduction to how Bitcoin works. And then the Brilliant course is like a way of applying it. And the way they do it is like they build up cryptocurrencies from the ground up and they're like, okay, hypothetically, let's say we want a currency that does this and does this and does that. And they have this really cool... Um, 
it's it's like a, it's like a cool story of like crypto kryptonia which is like this fabled town and there is a, a dragon that guards the hoard of gold and you know people have these spells and that what, what properties does someone's spell need to have to be able to secure the letter to try and withdraw gold from the dragon and the, or what properties does the dragon need to have and then how can the people of kryptonia realize that okay it's a bit inconvenient to have a dragon what if it dies how can we build mathematical functions that replace the dragon and that replace these alchemical spells it's really really good uh, and it's a very solid introduction to cryptography and it's a, like a topic i want to start exploring much more um, so if that sounds up your street or if you'd like to tackle some of their more co- other courses in math science and computer science head over to brilliant.org forward slash not overthinking and get your free trial trial rather nice was anyway yeah that was great enough about my productivity slump what's going on with you these days uh things are things are interesting things are interesting these days I feel like I've, I've, de- I've developed this new morning routine, which makes people feel sort of makes me makes me look a bit like a, a pothead almost where I wake up and normally I would like have a shower as the first thing that I do in the mornings. And then I sort of get ready and like, you know, I'd become become human. Uh, but now I wake up and it's a bit cold. So I don my robe and my robe automatically makes me look a bit, a bit of a waste man. And then I just sit on the sofa with my laptop out and I do my kind of morning journaling thing. And then usually I actually get some reasonable creative work done in the morning where I don't have any meetings scheduled. And then I decide that at some point during the day, I'm going to decide to have a shower. And this acts as my reset where I've gone from like, you know, pothead to normal human being. Um, sometimes this shower gets delayed like quite a lot. So like today I had a shower about 15 minutes ago at 5.30 p.m. <laughs> because there was just stuff that happened beforehand. I had like, you know, various Zoom calls and then various stuff was going on. And now I feel like I've got the second wind of energy. So after this podcast, I'm going to feel like more. Whereas if I have the shower in the morning, I feel like I'm wasting the yeah. momentum that I have when I, when I wake up. Um, so that's been, that's been interesting. I've also started playing <laughs> World of Warcraft again. Uh, oh, nice. How is I've it? Been playing it? It's so good. I've been playing it for the last like four days every night for about like an hour or two, streaming it on Twitch and on YouTube. So follow me, twitch.tv slash Ali Abdal. What's the streaming vibe? Like what does that add to the experience for you? Um, it just makes it... It means I can have a chat with people while I'm playing. And because I'm like questing questing at the moment and leveling up my paladin uh, from level 50 and 50 to level 60 in the new zones in the Shadowlands, it means that I can kind of check out the Twitch chat on the side and people will ask questions and I can just kind of reply to them. What, like related to the to the game or they're just no, generally, asking like, generally how do i get into med school just, yeah like how do i get into med school what's med school like yeah. that, that are, you, are you are you pakistani <laughs> <laughs> are you from india you know the standard yeah. <laughs> the standard questions on the stream but it was it was cool last night because i gave people my battle net battle tag and said hey add me as a friend and these people added me a friend i was like right anyone want to do a dungeon together and this guy who was a level 60 priest was like sure i'll do a dungeon with you and then I was, I was tank. He was healer and he was like level 60. So he was like really good healer. So we were doing like huge ass pulls and just like having loads of fun nice. in the dungeon. Um, and then afterwards he whispered me being like, you know, you were a lot better than I thought you'd be. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's just, it's just kind of fun. And now I've got all these kind of friends on Battle.net where most of my IRL friends have stopped playing these sorts of games. Yeah. So it's nice having people that I can be like, hey, anyone want to do a dungeon together? And we'll just, we'll just do it. Oh, nice. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, it's really uh, fun. Um, and this this kind of makes me more likely to get work done during the day because I now have this thing to look forward to in the evening. Yeah, yeah. If I've done an honest day's work. Yeah. Whereas before, wow, it would be like, okay, well, I guess I should just relax. And that usually looked like just watching TV with Sheen or something or very occasionally reading a book. But inevitably, it would be it would end up just kind of waste manning in front of the sofa, eating a takeaway and watching TV. Yeah. But now it's like my evening activity feels like, yes, I'm really looking forward to this. So I, I try and get my honest day's work done before I'm allowed to play WoW. Yeah, I think having this thing to look forward to is really big. I, th- I feel like, yeah, these days I don't really have much evening activity to look forward to. Mate, join WoW. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, it's so good. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, it's, it's like action city. Yeah, I mean, I think... And then you can the, be on the street with me and then it'll be fun. <laughs> the issue is that, like, lockdown is kind of coming to an end. And so, I don't, you know, usually in the evenings, you know, back in the good old days, I'd be, like, hanging out with mates or whatever, right? And so... Not every evening. Not every evening, but certainly... Have, have World of Warcraft for the evenings that you're not hanging out with mates. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, maybe we'll give it a go. Would recommend. I've been trying to get Sheen into it and she's just refusing point blank. She so, uh, is in, interestingly, she's been semi guilt tripping me like, why don't you ever sit down and watch and watch Bollywood films with me? I'm like, I do. <laughs> and you don't want to do it all the time. And then I was like, the other day, I was like, how about you play World of Warcraft with me? And then she was like, no. yeah, <laughs> I was like, I've yes. got you now, you son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, yeah. that's aggressive. So um, wow. that that's me in World of Warcraft. It's 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 not having an effect on my personality at all. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> It already um, did that when you were 16. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> And now I'm, 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 I'm really getting into it. And so I have like a default thing because you know, when you're on the toilet, right? You have to, you, you spend five minutes deciding what am I going to watch? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Or what am I going to listen to and stuff? Yeah. But now it's like, I know that my YouTube homepage is protection, paladin, tanking, yeah. Shadowlands, <laughs> PVP specs, talents and recommendations. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a default thing. I can yeah. watch people who are prop paladin tanks and become better at the game. And yeah. then I apply the principles that I learn in my various toilet breaks during the day in my <laughs> evening session. And it's so good. I feel like the progression, I feel like I'm improving. I, I, I haven't felt this joyful in such a long time. That's amazing. Yeah, I had a similar thing about, well, in... In lockdown one, where I got into playing uh, Super Smash Bros. on the Nintendo Switch, and then my bathroom thing would be, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to look at like, uh, you know, <laughs> Pichu combos <laughs> on Super Smash, <laughs> and then when I, then when I play, I'd like, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to have so, a deliberate YouTube uh, theme <laughs> for toilet mm. breaks. Yeah, like pre so pre while my toilet break thing was like art tutorials and like drawing tutorials. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd, I'd apply them in my lessons. Like, it's it's so nice having tutorials to watch on the toilet. It's yeah, like, yeah. So much better than just scrolling Twitter. I've started, um, I got a guitar recently and I've started trying to, trying to learn that. And so I've started watching some, some guitar tutorials. Man, guitar's a lot harder than piano. It's ridiculous. It really, uh, I, I think yeah. my fingers are getting used to it now, but like the first day or something, I felt like I was being tortured. I was like, no, there's no way this is correct. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no way I need to be pushing this hard. <laughs> like, this yeah. really hurts. <laughs> like, yeah, eventually you get the calluses on your fingertips and it stops hurting. Yeah, and you go and play for a while and you play again. And you're like, oh shit, my fingers are really hurting. <laughs> what the hell yeah. is what's going on? It was seriously painful, but I think it's uh, it's not too bad now. And and like I, you know, a lot of the times I feel disheartened because um, I know I know what my fingers need to be able to do. Like I know I need to be able to go from that chord to the next chord, like basically instantly without yeah. having to think oh, about like it. The and floor to the angry lady. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why isn't it working? Yeah. Yeah. And right now, like every time I go from one chord to another, each of my fingers moves individually. Yeah. <laughs> I have to look at it, move one at a time. And then I, I kind of think, man, like how am I ever going to get better at this? But then I think back to like the piano. Uh, and I think it was pretty similar at the start where, you know, before your hands are used to the chord shapes, it's like you have to look at every note, move each finger into the right position and so on. And so it's reassuring that I've already kind of been through that with the piano. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just about putting in the reps and, and doing the practice. And yeah, man. Are you following uh, Justin Guitar? I don't know. What oh, he's, if you go and if you if you go on his website, he's got the best like beginner's guitar course. That's what oh, I really? followed for like five minutes a day to become semi-proficient. Oh, nice. Um, I'm in the process of working through his intermediate course now, <laughs> which I've been in the process of working through for the last five years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's like genuinely really good and it's free and it's just I I don't put in the practice, but nice. Um, is my white balance really wacky, by the way? It looks pretty You're yellow very to brown. me. Uh, very, very yellow, rather. 
Yeah, let me just sort that out. While you're doing that, um, one thing I've been thinking about earlier today is what makes for a good YouTube video or what makes a good blog post? Like what makes something in the sort of this sort of creative realm feel good? And I think I've landed on an interesting mental model for this. And that's a concept of proof of work. Now in the field of cryptography, proof of work is what secures like the blockchain in cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, for example. Proof of work is where something is very, very, very difficult to do. And everyone knows that it's difficult to do, but it's very easy to verify. Like, for example, if you're solving a hash puzzle to mine a new ch block on the chain for Bitcoin, it takes large amounts of effort, large amounts of work, large amounts of computing power to mine the, the block. Uh, but it's very easy for someone to verify that that thing has been, has, been, has been mined. So the proof of work is very asymmetrical in that it's very hard to do, very easy to verify. And I think proof of work is what makes a good YouTube video or a good blog post in that we all have this, I, I think increasingly now we have this internal barometer for what makes, like what, what sort of content looks like a lot of effort has been put into it, a lot of work has been put into it. And I think this, this effort can take different forms. This effort could be just like ridiculously good editing, which is some, some YouTubers that I know where you just, everyone, all the comments are preached, oh my God, this must've taken you hundreds of hours. And it's like, yeah, it did. It could be like really good storytelling. When someone tells a good story, that feel that, you know, that's another, tick, ticks the box, box of proof of work in our minds. I think another one is large amounts of personal experience compressed into a small thing. And so if it's like a blog post called, uh, you, you, you know, my, my internet friend, Nat Elison has a blog post called how to start a blog that changes your life, where he condenses eight years of blogging experience into this post, which is 3000 words and has graphs and revenue numbers and all this kind of stuff. It's such a large amount of personal experience and hard won experience condensed into something that makes everyone feel, oh shit, this is really, really good. Equally, if I look at a lot of the videos that I've done that have done the best, they've been where I've condensed large amounts of my own personal experience into a video. And I've, I've, I've been thinking about this because, kind of because of the, this, um, blog post that I came across a few weeks ago that I shared on our Not of Thinking's uh, Slack members group thing about the difference between doing something and then talking about it versus reading something and then talking about it. And I think the doing stuff and actually having your own personal experience and then talking about it is, well, it's a lot more interesting, a lot more unique, a lot more original than reading something and then subsequently talking about it. And this has been relevant for me because of the book and in writing, in, in the writing of the book, everyone just keeps telling me, like, you need to add more personal experience to it. And I need to keep, keep reminding myself that, in fact, one of, one of my affirmations that I, I write on Rome each morning is something along the lines of my personal experience is valuable and I should feel okay to write about it or something like that. To just remind myself that this is, it's okay to write from personal experience because um, that's the thing that people actually care about. Mm. So I uh, proffered this idea of proof of work on my YouTuber Academy executive members call earlier today. And they were all like, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty legit stuff. Yeah, I really like that. Um, yes, I totally agree. There is a there was a good quote I heard recently about, uh, you know, it was something like beware of unearned wisdom. And uh, I think there's a <laughs> there's a lot of unearned wisdom going around on the Internet. Uh, you know, people like summarizing other people's books and things like that. And, you know, mm. all of this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think what you're trying to, what you're sort of getting at is sort of the idea of earned wisdom where like, you know, someone is actually, you know, <clears throat> done, done, you know, made the, the effort. Yeah. Done, done the work. And yeah, I think when you like, when you come across, you know, a YouTube video or some piece of content, I, I think in general, like when you're consuming any kind of information, like whether that's sort of, uh, 
in a conversation or something or in a blog post or YouTube video. There's there's like the <clears throat> the sort of uh, explicit sort of co content that you're sort of uh, reading or hearing or whatever. And then there's the sort of general vibe that you're getting. And I think, you know, we, we very quickly make general vibe judgments. And, uh, you know, if, if for, for example, back when I used to sort of write blog posts more regularly, one thing that I used to do just to like set the general vibe well from the start is to have like little hand-drawn illustrations and, and always have like at least part of one of these illustrations above the fold so you don't have to scroll before reading it. And so then when you land on this page, it's like, okay, you'll see like an intro paragraph or two, then you'll see like half of a hand-drawn illustration. And immediately it's like, okay, this person has gone through some effort here. I'm going to grant him an extra 20 seconds of attention. Whereas if it's a wall of text, then it's like, okay, I have to read this wall of text to get an idea of the vibe. Or if it's like a couple of paragraphs plus a stock photo, then it's like, oh shit, I'm probably not going to carry on because this person has has not even gone through the effort of not <laughs> like doing something other than a stock photo. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, yeah, these like indicators of uh, that, that let you make these judgments are, are really helpful mm -hmm. there. Yeah, I think Wait But Why does a fantastic job of that. <laughs> Blog mm -hmm. post, how to figure out what to do with your life. This is John. Hand-drawn illustration. Yeah. yeah. John, if I'm happy. Hand-drawn illustration. like, oh, okay, this is, this is intriguing. <laughs> I can't just leave John at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is he unhappy? Um, so, yeah, the, the, the reason this is, this is interesting and, and tricky at the same time, because I think when you're a beginner on something, it is, it's a very high barrier to entry to require that your thing have effort put into it or your thing have originality or whatever. It, these are all things that stop people from creating because they feel, oh, well, my ideas aren't original. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, why would anyone listen to me? And so when you're starting off, it's very easy to be a curator or a repackager of stuff, which is fine. Like, you know, it's uh, curation is useful. Repackaging is useful to an extent. And those are lower barrier to entry things than actually creating, quote, original stuff. Um, one thing that I, I've been thinking recently, like when, as I kind of teach YouTubers to be better YouTubers is like, even if you are a curator or a repackager, the thing that makes your thing original is the personal experience that you apply mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. And the best curated newsletters are not the ones where it's just a list of links, even if the links yeah, are really I, good. It's I don't list understand of the point of those, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's list of links plus someone's perspective on those links that, hey, this is a must read if you're interested in A, B, and C. I read this and it changed the way my business operates. Oh, great. I'm going to read that thing because I trust you and I trust your personal experience. Equally, when it comes to repackaging, like... When I do a summary of a book as a video format, in, in video format, the ones that do the best are the ones where the, you know, I actually have lived experience based on the teachings of the book. Like, you know, <laughs> I can talk ad nauseum about the four, how the four hour work week, work week has actually affected my life and changed the way that I do things and talk about the personal experience side of things. Whereas if it's another book that I've maybe only read once and I'm doing a video about because I know it's probably reasonable to do a video about this book, it, it just, it just sort of, it's a, it feels like an uphill battle to make that video. And I'm, and those videos almost invariably perform a lot worse than the ones where I'm speaking from personal experience. Um, what do you think? I mean, it, I don't, I don't want to like be cynical here. So correct me if, if this is actually wrong, but it feels to me like <clears throat> most people who are in, in the game of becoming creators and so on, they gravitate towards much more impersonal stuff much more like pure curation kind of stuff, more like sort of role-playing as a creator kind of thing. And yeah, I've mentioned this on previous episodes. Is it just like the difficulty to be vulnerable that stops people from just, you know, having much more personal content from the start? 
I like, what, I think, what, I think, at the start was your content personal? I guess you were vlogging, so maybe that is. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a part of it. The difficulty in being vulnerable. I think a big part of it is why would anyone care? Like when you have zero subscribers and zero followers and no one knows who you are, like you know, there is it's it's very true to think like why would anyone care about like my experience about doing X? Yeah, unless that's true. Unless people like like for example, if Elon Musk were to start a YouTube channel about his experience of running Tesla, you know, people people would care. <laughs> um, but if like you know, yeah, if you're if you're an unknown person doing a relatively unknown thing, talking about your experiences of that is not is not that interesting, uh, or mm. at least not. It's 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 hard to signal the interest level of that to to other people. Um, what was that guy? You were talking. I think at one point you mentioned said there was some guy on Twitter who had built like a seven figure business off the back of selling storage units or something. Mm. Yeah, 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 something into something like that. And how yeah. when he was tweeting about his experiences of doing the thing, that was resonating because it was earned wisdom. Yeah, I think earned wisdom was part of why yeah. that was good. So I think, yeah, I think the, the the difficulty is that invariably the younger you are, the less earned wisdom you have. And yeah, invariably the younger you are, the more you need to lean on unearned wisdom. Yeah, I guess so. To an extent, yeah. I guess the 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 sort of young young creators I know who have been doing the the best like by the numbers are the people who are targeting students as their audience. Like where Ruby Granger, for example, makes videos for herself, but four years younger. Yeah. And that's a domain in which like, there's no one more qualified to talk about the woes of a 16-year-old than an 18-year-old, for example. Yeah. Uh, so targeting that audience makes perfect sense. But if you're, let's say, an 18-year-old medical student and you're attempting to summarize atomic habits for other 18 to 25-year-olds, there is an yeah, extent yeah. to that it's probably not, not the best way of going about it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I think we're still in the preamble. The thing I actually wanted to talk about today was off the back of a tweet that I sent to you. Now you see me trying to find the tweet right now. Yes. <coughs> Can you guess who this tweet was from? Naval? Um... Agnes Callard. Okay, fine. <laughs> I didn't realize she was on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's great on Twitter. Uh, all right. Agnes said, introvert is an identity category. Introverts see being an introvert as an important part of their character, who they are, a bond they have with other introverts, something others should know about them, etc. This seems to me to be far less true for extroverts. So that was pretty interesting. Ooh, that is interesting. <laughs> you don't see anyone self-identifying as an extrovert, but you see no. many people self-identifying as introverts. Uh, so let me, okay, so let me tell you why I think this is interesting. Uh, so I mean, I think it's, it's interesting for the obvious reason of like, oh, well, what's going on there? Um, but I think uh, below the surface is this, uh, is this uh, f phenomenon that, you can you can get an idea for the invisible forces that people are feeling in their lives by the things that they feel the need to signal because they will they will feel the need to signal i keep saying they i should say we i'm not trying to like speak from up high or you know down on the people or anything like that but you know there there are lots of invisible forces that we feel and uh you know a, a lot of the things that we try and signal are sort of going against those forces and so I think the the you know in the case of in, you know introverts being more vocal vocal about their introversion rather you know compared to extroverts, I think what's what's really going on is there is this invisible force in society that kind of tells you that uh, it's better to be extroverted, you know that like that's kind of the right way to do things. Mm. That there's like an, an an invisible narrative around that, and so if you're an extrovert, you know, I, I mean I I don't really like the two categories to be honest, but whatever, let's let's go with it. If you're an extrovert. 
you know, it's all fine and dandy. Like you, you don't spend any time at all having to think about this because it's like, whatever, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> Whereas if you are an introvert, whatever that means, then, you know, you, you sort of feel this invisible narrative and you, 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 you want to somehow like push back against it. And it's very cathartic to be able to band together with other people who also identify as introverts and, and sort of come together in that way um, to sort of, uh, uh, what's, what's the word? I'm, I'm looking for a very specific word here. I don't know, man. It's like that but book, yeah. um, Quiet, I think the subtitle is The Power of Introverts in a World of Extroverts or something, which did really well, I think, partly because it was a feel-good for people who were introverts. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, introverts are legit as well. Yeah, I think just, just the subheading of that book and like the, re yeah, the reason they chose that is exactly this thing, you know, because yeah, if, if you're someone who's an introvert, you will identify with that because it's like, oh, yeah, there's this narrative of like extroversion is the right way to go or whatever, and mm. we're finally being validated. And so I think... I think it's super interesting. So I follow lots of um, I follow lots of meme accounts that I don't actually find funny because I think it's just like a great <laughs> a great insight into the human experience. So I, for example, I follow I follow a lot of uh, a lot of girl, girls memes meme accounts on Instagram. Uh, there's one called like Girlies are or something. Anyway, they're, they're like meme accounts which are obviously for girls, and I follow a bunch of these uh, just because I, I think it's super interesting because I think. The stuff that people create memes about, uh, it kind of tells you, you know, you, it often reveals the invisible forces that, that the memes are pushing against. And, you know, I, I think memes in many ways, it's like, they're very cathartic, you know, they, you know, it, it's a bit like comedy, right? Like, uh, you know, you can, you can sort of reveal truths in, in comedy that let people sort of, uh, in a lighthearted way, acknowledge them and things like that, you know, by, by joking about these things. Uh, and I think in the same way, if you like, if, if you track what memes people are looking at and what memes people are liking and, and the sort of the meme narratives, it can tell you about, you know, some of the, some of the invisible narratives that they're sort of pushing against. And so I think the introversion extroversion thing is really interesting. I think another thing which is perhaps related is um, there's, there's this sort of uh, trend of it somehow being cool to not like other people or something. You know, you see lots of memes uh, where, which basically insinuate that you don't like other people. Um, do, do, okay. do, do you get what I'm referring to here? Um, I have an image in my head of like um, the kind of, uh, like I, I've, I've, not, I've not seen these sorts of memes, but the, the image I get in my head of is of like someone who feels it's like a bit of a badge of honor to be the sort of person who doesn't like a lot of people. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so I, I think there are, there are a lot of memes that sort of uh, insinuate that. Um, on that uh, on, on a side note, is there like a daily newsletter that just pu publishes the top 10 memes of the day or something? <laughs> like I would, I would subscribe to that in a heartbeat because I see like, I really, like, this is really interesting. I want to, I want to see memes, but I do not want to go through the effort of following tons of Twitter accounts and hoping the, the wheat you rises to the top. You don't want to earn the wisdom. <laughs> I don't want to earn the wisdom. I want someone to earn it for me <laughs> and to, to deliver it in a bite-sized chunk in my daily yeah. email inbox each morning. Yeah. What do you do, make a meme newsletter? <laughs> I've, I've thought about this. I remember in, in like third or fourth year of university, I, I had, you know, I, I've long believed that like tracking, tracking the meme sphere is, is like super, you know, there's a lot of information there, you know? Yeah. Um, and I started looking into, okay, if you could, um, if you could basically have, you know, a, a sort of model slash algorithm or whatever, they can classify memes. Uh, Cause you know, most memes have the same format, they're just different text or whatever. Yeah. And so, if your if your algorithm can 
you know, follow like a bunch of Instagram pages, Facebook pages, Reddit and stuff like that. And it can, it can group memes by format. Then you can kind of track which formats are like on the up, which formats are on the down. Oh, there's yeah, actually, so there's, there's a subreddit called meme economy where people like sort of jokingly <laughs> buy and sell, you know, place bets are, I think this meme's going to be hot. Like yeah, in the next, <laughs> next two weeks or something, or like, oh, sell, 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 you know, this kind of stuff. So this idea of like tracking uh, the popularity of different meme formats as they sort of come and go, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, but I think, I think the thing I'm trying to get at is that the words, the words actually matter because it's a lot of the same narratives mm. uh, just expressed in different meme formats. Um, and yeah, I think, I think a meme letter would, would be interesting. I, th- I feel like someone, I've definitely seen a couple of these. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, but yeah, on, on like, yeah, maybe, maybe me framing it in terms of in, invisible narratives was, uh, is not quite the way I want to do it. But I think, <clears throat> I think asking the question, why is this meme, why would this meme be cathartic for someone uh, is, is the right question to be asking because, I mean, okay, so some things are just like pure, just like funny, you know, <laughs> some things are just like jokes that are just really funny. But when you see, when you see certain trends in the kinds of, you know, the, the things that different memes insinuate, and you see like a trend of like, oh, a bunch of memes are trying to insinuate X thing, then I think asking the question, okay, who might this be cathartic for? And why, why would this be a cathartic thing for someone? Um, so for example... For example, the introversion, extroversion thing. I think a lot of, um, I mean, this thing about not liking people, um, you know, similar, you know, uh, uh, similar stuff around, you know, there's sort of lots of memes that insinuate that, um, you know, what everyone else wants to do is kind of go out and party. But what I want to do is actually just sit home alone, you know, with a book or one and watch a mm. movie or something. Yeah. Ha ha ha. I'm so quirky kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like that. There's, there's that meme of like, you know, me on New Year's Eve. And then like 11.59, 12, <laughs> kind of a wave a flag in the air and then go back to the computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I know, is the sort of thing that you're like, oh yeah, you know, other people feel the same way as me. Yeah. Um, I think these things are cathartic because we feel like, uh, we feel like the norm is like not that. And we feel like we've kind of been told that actually um, that's weird or whatever. Yeah. Have, you, have you noticed any trends in kind of the memes that you see? Firstly, I don't, I don't see a lot of memes. Um, in fact, the only memes I see are the ones that you see. So I have a very, <laughs> oh. my, my sample size is ex- extremely skewed in this, in this particular conversation. I was going to say on the, on the introvert extrovert thing, it sort of feels like how no one, no one identifies as a white male and yet lots of people identify as a woman of color. And there are support groups around that, that kind of thing. And people will band together on that particular identity. Whereas no one's banding together on the identity of being a white male. Like it's just not a thing. Equally, no one is banding together. Like, I feel like most extroverts don't even know the word extrovert is a thing because they're not the sorts of people that would read articles, I, you know, um, talking about the difference between introverts and extroverts. Mm. So when something is so normalized, you know, there is that element of when you are not part of that normal, normal group, you know, like Pakistan society at university. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guarantee there's no like Englishman society at university. Like it's just not. Yeah, a- yeah. Okay, no, I, I, th- I think what you're saying is obviously true. But I think... I think in a lot of instances, it's not just, you know, for example, the introversion, extroversion thing. You, you, I think what, what you're kind of implying is, you know, if, if in the world, like 80% of people were extroverts and 20% were introverts, yeah. then there'd be no reason for the extroverts to like shout it from the rooftops. Yeah. But the introverts are like a smaller group and so they need to kind of band together. I think that, I think there are many instances where it is closer to 50-50 or even more people against the thing but the narrative is so strong in the other direction that the narrative is actually going against the majority. 
or yeah. going against like the the fifty percent. And so I think one one of these or an example that comes to mind at university uh, is like clubbing. You know, like if if you if you show up at a at a university in the UK and you do you know, you go through like the first term or something, you are going to think that 95% of the human population loves like <laughs> dancing in a sweaty <laughs> little underground room. You know, you're going to think, man, I, I'm so weird that, that I didn't really so weird that, that I didn't much. Something. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and, and from surveying my friends, I'd say, you know, I, maybe like 10, 10 to 20% of people like are intrinsically actually into the activity. But the narrative, the narrative that you should be into the activity is so strong <laughs> that actually the 80% of people who aren't that into it <laughs> would still do it. Hmm. And, and then you, and you know, after the first few weeks, after the first term, a couple of terms or whatever, then you do start to see some people, you know, kind of speak out against it and have these cathartic conversations of like, like by the way, what, guys, actually, yeah. I don't know if anyone's realized, but like, it's, it's actually not that fun. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought there was anyone who felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I I think the the clubbing phenomenon at university uh, is particularly interesting because I, I think the numbers are just so skewed, where the um, the the narrative is pushing back against like eighty percent of the people. Uh, I think I think in most situations it might be like fifty percent or something. Like on the introversion extroversion thing, I what are your thoughts on that in general? Like, do you subscribe to either of those categories? I mean, this it's it's such a standard thing that there must be some there must be a large amounts of truth to them. Do I subscribe to the categories? Um, I don't know a lot of people who identify as extroverts, uh, but maybe if they did, they wouldn't hang out with me. <laughs> um, I feel like I know more introverts than extroverts. Um, Are you an introvert? I don't know. I always think like the, the definition of an introvert allegedly is someone who gets sort of recharges their energy based on being alone versus being with others. Like when I was at university, I always wanted to have people in my room. Um, and I think if I was at university again, I would still prefer that particular setup where my room is always, my door is always open and people can always rock up if they want. Mm. But even so, it's like if I'm on, for example, on holiday with friends, I would quite like there to be like, you know, an evening or an afternoon or something where once in a while we're actually not, we're just kind of sitting in the living room on a laptop doing our own thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's like a introvert extrovert thing. I like, I don't feel I need my energy to rich recharge. I just always have cool things to do on the computer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, which benefit from kind of checking in once in a while. So I don't know. What about you? I think I've definitely been made to feel like I was an introvert when I was younger, I think just cause I was kind of nerdy and my interests again were kind of nerdy, but I think fundamentally I'm all about the human connection, man. You know me. So I think I'm definitely, um, yeah, I mean, if I, if I had to pick a side, I think I'd definitely say I'm extroverted, but I think I was made to feel introverted just because I felt like my interests well, because were- Because you were interested in reptiles and- Yeah, yeah. Animals and- Which keep being, yeah. And League of Legends or whatever it was back in the day. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what a lot of it is. Uh, yeah, I, th I, think, I think partly that's why I don't really like the categories because I think there are, I mean, there, there, there are definitely some people who, you know, like a lot of alone time, don't particularly like hanging out with other people. I think, I think most people like hanging out with small groups of people or like one-on-one -on -one with friends. I also think most people don't particularly like large social events with a bunch of strangers they don't know where they have to meet people. And I think, again, there's a strong narrative that like that set, you know, there's, there's a strong narrative that one should be comfortable in the kind of setting where it's a large group of people you don't know and you have to meet people. Yeah. Uh, when I'd say, you know, maybe 10% of people are actually comfortable in that setting. I think 90% are not. But those 90%, 
would be made to feel like, oh, maybe I'm introverted or something. Cause I, oh, I'd, like whenever I've dug into this, it, it, yeah, whenever I've dug into this like introversion, extroversion thing with people, I think most people end up saying like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't like hanging out in sort of large groups of people, you know? <laughs> and like 90% of people agree with it. Like, but that is, that is the vast majority of people do not like hanging out in large groups of people, especially people, you know, that they don't know, but they are made to feel like that is non-standard. And so I think lots, lots of people, I think, identify as introverts on the grounds that, they, that, that, that they're not comfortable in large groups of strangers and that they prefer hanging out with like small groups of closer friends. And like, that's, that's just like 90% of people, surely. Um, so I, yeah, I think this is an instance where like the narratives like goes, go really far against um, the vast majority. And then, and then there's a question of like, okay, if, if like the majority of people are getting screwed by this narrative, why are we all still perpetuating it? <laughs> and I think, the, I think the thing is that like, you know, that there's like a perceived social cost, like, you know, in order to come out against this narrative, you basically have to put your hand up and, and, and risk saying like, I'm weird, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, actually 90% of people is the same weird as you in that case. Yeah. There's also, there's also that, that, that phenomenon where, where like the way the thing is set up the belief propagates itself by virtue of the fact that it's set up like, like for example, the fact that large groups of people have more people in them than small groups of people do. <laughs> Even if you had the same number of like large, large, large group events as small, small group events, like in a given population, the large groups events, the large group would still have more people in it on average. And therefore there would be a feeling that, oh, you know, most events that I get invited to are large group events rather than small group events. Therefore, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely this must be a thing. Yeah. Um, and it's like similar to, so, sort of similar to the narrative that having kids is meaningful, where like by, you, you know, by virtue of the fact that you believe having kids is meaningful, you will have kids and then that narrative will be transmitted. Whereas if you don't have kids, that narrative will not be transmitted, that, that having kids is not necessarily meaningful. And so it is, I think there's, there's an element of that as well. Yeah, I think the structural aspects that you mentioned are interesting. Um, the thing about being more likely to be invited to a large group thing. Yeah, that's potentially true. I think on the kids thing. So what, what you're saying on the kids thing is that if you, th if you think having kids is meaningful, you'll have kids and then you'll shout from the rooftops about how meaningful it is to have kids. But if you don't think having kids is meaningful, you won't have kids. Your lack of kids won't be like a big deal. <laughs> like you're not going to be shouting about not having kids. <laughs> and so like the, the, the narrative just becomes that like having kids is meaningful. Yeah, and and some people argue there's also a sort of a biological genetic component of the people who yeah, feel yeah. that having kids is meaningful will transmit that meaningfulness of having kids. Yeah, I th I think the 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 bigger sort of structural thing with the large groups mm. is is more like the kids thing, where you know if you're scrolling through your Facebook feed, just by the nature of the setup, you are more likely to see you know if there's an event with fifty people in it you are more likely to know someone at that event compared to an event with four people in it. And so yeah. on your Facebook feed or whatever, you are more likely to just come across the big events because you don't know most of the people. Yeah. Of the big events. Like I'm not yeah. taking my camera out of a group of three people and uploading it to Facebook because that's sneaky. But yeah. I'm bringing my camera to a group of birthday party with a hundred people in it. And be like, hey, you snap pictures of everyone. Guys, fake smile at each other. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like you're having fun. Equally um, clubbing, you know, club club nights always hire those photographers with like the blinding lights to make everyone like, oh wow, people are having fun in this brightly lit club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, the colors are so vibrant. Wow. And you go in there, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I came for the colors, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other? So we've talked about the introversion extroversion thing. Are there any? Are there any other um, instances of people 
there, there being like a, a latent desire to push back against the narrative. I think people who enjoy reading often signal that they enjoy reading, whereas people who enjoy watching TV never signal that they enjoy watching TV. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, it's like... I don't get what you mean. Uh, I mean, like, if if the, the Hinge profiles I've scrolled through in the last <laughs> few months are any, any indication, <laughs> yeah. reading is something that people want to signal, whereas one, watching TV is something people don't want to signal, probably because of the narratives around those two activities. Yeah, and the status that you get, each yeah. one gets you, yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I think I think I think the stuff people signal in uh, in dating profiles is also another like very interesting source of like what na- you know what narratives people might be trying to push back against. Oh mate, here's here's one here's one taking pride in the idea of uh, being sarcastic. Mm. This is uh, this is like a, a trend I've seen both in in memes and in dating profiles, um, where a lot of people seem to yeah claim that they are particularly sarcastic and i think I, I yeah i've often like thought about that um i think is sheen around by the way uh she is she's got headphones on and is watching a tv show right now oh okay uh yeah i'd be curious to get her input on this but uh, i think also one thing i've seen is that a lot of girls in particular want you know want to identify as being sassy or sarcastic yeah i i think there's a strong bias on the sarcasm thing uh, where there's, there's any, okay, maybe, maybe my, my dating apps are biased in that I only see girls on them, but I do think, I do think in general, like, um, I, I see many more girls wanting to identify with yeah. being sarcastic and I've, sassy and things like that. I've, I've never seen any of my guy friends who have like sarcasm as one of their perks on the profile. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, and I think, you know, that probably gets at some socialization where as, as a girl, you, I don't know, maybe you're sort of expected or taught to be a bit more you know less sarcastic and less (laughs) yeah well i I think just a bit less uh yeah maybe like a bit more reserved about opinions and things like that and so like the identifying as sarcastic you know it's it's kind of cathartic because it kind of Mm. goes against that um but yeah i I might be talking out of my ass here um i suspect i'm not and i'd be interested to hear from uh Mm. women about this but that's that's another thing i've noticed I see like a surprisingly large number of dating profiles where the where the vibe of some of the answers is very much like shots, shots, shots. I love alcohol, <laughs> or, or equivalent. <laughs> right? You know what's what's your idea of a great of of like a great night in four bottles of wine? What's your idea of like a great first date? Shots, shots, shots. You know. The, okay. Yeah. Those yeah, always yeah. stick out in my mind every time I come across mm. them. I'm not, yeah, and, same. And, yeah, I feel like I'm, I come across them disproportionately often, like compared to other things that people signal. Like that is, uh, it's got it's got a high modal whatever. The, <laughs> there's a high mode of people who kind of like identify yeah, yeah, yeah. as that person. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I, I've I've talked to friends about this. I call it alcohol signaling. <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> I do see a lot of alcohol signaling, yeah. <laughs> and I I I've always found it baffling. You know, I I, I don't drink alcohol. And I'm, I, I've always felt quite alienated by that culture. Yeah. And I think at university, again, there was a lot of like alcohol signaling. And, yeah. and I, I think not being in that culture, I, I mean, look, the, the general sense that I get is that if you like alcohol, you are cool and sociable and outgoing and fun. And so, uh, I mean, that, that's the general sense I get of what, what, what being into alcohol sort of signals to other people. Uh, yeah, I, I personally feel quite alienated by, by that stuff. There was a thing. There was a thing that I I heard secondhand 
kind of from some, someone who I vaguely knew at university who kind of joked that that if she ever sees no like if she she ever sees a non-drinker on a dating app she will immediately swipe left on them because she's like i'm never going to date someone who doesn't drink and i think that's that's like very interesting because it, it there is probably some <laughs> it's probably a, a, re- a reasonable filter if you are the sort of person who just loves alcohol <laughs> like you'll probably be not a lot yeah. less likely to get on with someone who doesn't just yeah, by the way lifestyle wise the rest yeah. of the traits overlap hmm. how are you finding the rosie project by the way oh i finished it now yeah, it was good. Um, do you want to just give a bit of context for people who don't know what it is? Mm, Rosie Project, a great uh, book. Apparently one of Bill Gates' favorite books. It's about this dude, this sort of professor of genetics who has Asperger's syndrome and who's trying to find a wife. And so he sets off on this kind of wife project where he like gets a questionnaire and like, you know, goes on dates and uses dating apps and gets people to fill out the questionnaire. And it's all very, like, very relatable <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. It's a very, very good book. Yeah, so I finished this recently. Um, I thought it was good. The one thing that annoyed me is, and look, I, I might, I might be wrong here, and maybe, I, I mean, is the author, does the author have Asperger's syndrome? Or, I don't know. You know or, I, have, yeah. I haven't looked into the, uh, the ad hominem bit. So look, I, I might be wrong here. I, I certainly felt at points that the that the main character felt like a bit of a caricature of someone who would have Asperger's syndrome. Um, maybe I'm wrong, you know, or you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who do actually have, you know, sort of serious enough instances of Asperger's syndrome where they would actually be like the main character. Um, but it certainly felt like a, a bit of a caricature of someone who's autistic, basically. Uh, and I, yeah, that, that kind of graced me a little bit. But yeah, maybe, I'm sure plenty of people are actually like that. What did you think? What was relatable about it for you? Um, yeah. <laughs> It was like a lot of the sort of when when he's talking about dating, you hear his like internal thought processes and and things like when when he's trying to empathize with like and trying to figure out what other people are thinking. Just the the stark way in which like the thing is phrased. It's like so now there were like four people in the interaction, and that means there were sort of sixteen possible interact like one to one interactions that could be happening. And some of them, you, and you, you know, and this person said that thing, and that person said that thing, and somehow by the furrowing of her eyebrows, I was meant to deduce that she was upset at that person, and therefore I shouldn't have said that thing. And it's mm. it's a lot of like, yes, this is exactly what happens in real life. Like by the furrowing of someone's eyebrows or by the slightly changing tone of their voice, you're meant to infer a lot about their state of mind. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, I, th- I thought that stuff was was very interesting, like seeing it basically spelled out that this is. Wait, so why was that relatable? Or you just think it was like an accurate representation of reality? Is that what? Yeah, you mean accurate representation of reality, but also like I mean, a lot of his stuff around around like the questionnaire, for example, and thinking of dating as being such a kind of logical, like tick boxy right, right. almost type of exercise. Like it does. You, it does that make how sense. you think about it as well. It's it's not really it's it's not how I think about it, but it's 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 along the spectrum of how I could think. It's, it's an extreme version of how I could think about dating. Um, okay, okay. I do think about it in in similarish ways in some capacity, where it's like, well, you know, this is effectively a kind of matching problem, <laughs> or where the objective is to kind of find find like every everyone is optimizing to find the best person that they can possibly attract. Yeah. And therefore, you know, all these behaviors behaviors are coming into into it, and all the signaling kind of goes on. Mm. I thought it was interesting how that was that was spelled out and then taken taken to an extreme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it was definitely interesting. It was the first like romance type uh, book, I'd, well, audio book in this case, I listened to, and it's, it's definitely nice sort of listening to that kind of story. I think it's like listening. It's like watching a rom com or something. You've never read a romance book before. I haven't. Oh, dude, they're so good. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> you can't have read many decent books then. 
You should read one one day in December. That I think like... I think you recommended this to me. I tried reading it. I just couldn't. I couldn't get past the first few pages. It was just too annoying. <laughs> just the rising was too annoying. Oh, okay, <laughs> I couldn't fine. do it. Maybe the audiobook version would be less annoying. It wasn't highbrow enough for you. I don't think it was about being highbrow. Like I think it was just. I just found it annoying. Yeah. I'll maybe go back and try it out. Yeah, I occasionally enjoy browsing the romance section of Goodreads and just picking up a random book on there and just being like, you know what, let's. Oh, wow. It's nice. pretty good. It's a good way. It's a good way. Have you have you read Normal People? No, I've heard the TV show of that is good. Yeah, the book is 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 very good as well. Like that kept me up for a, a long time reading it. Thinking about it, yeah, I, I particularly like romance books because it does like it 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 touches on because otherwise like the fiction I read is like fantasy <laughs> and and right, there's very yeah. there's very little to be learned from fantasy. Whereas from romance books, it's like. It actually gives you a good insight into the human condition in a way that fantasy books don't. Yeah. Best is when you combine romance and fantasy and those are really good. But Yeah. What are we talking? Mermaids? <laughs> is that what you're we're, we're talking like werewolves and like psychic oh. creatures and like shapeshifters and you know that sort of stuff. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, th- I, I do want to read more romance books. I think it's interesting. Um, yeah, this book I'm reading called Why, Why Love Hurts. I think I mentioned it on the podcast before. It, it, it uses like... Uh, sort of fiction as a good insight into what the cultural attitudes are towards dating and stuff like that. Like you can, you know, by reading like Jane Austen, you can get an idea for like what the cultural norms were around how men and women should interact and things like that. So I think it's definitely interesting from that angle as well. It's almost like, yeah, fiction books are the old school memes for understanding exactly. culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how much am I making newsletter of that? <laughs> well, are there, are there, I, think, I feel like there are a bunch of like dating app tropes that people often joke about. I think that, I mean, there's, there's this, there was this sort of trend. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I think saw off as a trend and is now just like a general thing that people say, where you're, if, if you see a lot of people harking on about something, uh, you know, like alcohol, or whatever, and then you, you often see tweets like, oh, liking alcohol is not a personality trait or, you know, liking X is not a personality trait or whatever, because liking traveling you, you, is not a personality trait. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of <laughs> people like signaling that, signaling liking this thing um to kind of show that it's it's like a core part of their identity or personality and then you get like pushback from people who for whatever reason don't like that <laughs> uh, so I th- what does your dating profile look like like me like, personally what uh, what, or what are your answers to the prompts I'm, I'm curious about this all right let me open up my hinge profile right to view um i think my prompts are i think it sets the right tone of like jokey able to sort of poke fun at myself but also like fairly sincere. So one one of the prompts on Hinge is uh, I'm weirdly attracted to. Okay. And I think the 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 you know <laughs> a straight guy would say yeah <laughs> uh, like yeah if you answer that straightly you know you'd say some weird thing that you're attracted to. Um, my my answer for that is Hugh Grant circa 1999. Um, it is actually very sincere. I think <laughs> I think Hugh Grant in in the old school films is is very attractive but i think it also signals the right things of like i think there's a bunch of good stuff i like hugh grant like rom-coms you know very true that's just you know i i'm i'm sort of willing to say things like i think hugh grant is attractive you know i'm, I'm not like I, I don't feel weird about saying things like that it's it's also just kind of like a humorous answer because it's not like playing it straight down the line so i, I think it, it signals all the right things and kind of keeps it real um at the same time so my answer to that prompt I'm, is I'm weirdly attracted to Princess Jasmine when she's captured by Jafar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which I think is all the right things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's fewer layers to your one than mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my other problems is we're the same type of weird if. My answer to that is if you love overanalyzing social interactions. Yeah. There's, there's not many layers to that. It's no. pretty straight up, you know. And then my final one is teach me something about, that's the prompt. And my answer is uh, art. I just don't get art galleries, man. Again, not particularly humorous. It's kind of true. Um, I'm willing to be open about that. You know. mm. I think in terms of, um, so on, on Hinge, you know, if someone likes you, you can kind of see, they can like a particular aspect of your profile. Yeah, what's been your, what's been your hit rate on those different prompts? I think, I think the, Hugh, the Hugh Grant one is, uh, you know, the ladies love it. <laughs> right. I think that that has a very high conversion rate. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think I think that is by far the highest uh, the highest converting prompt on mine. What about you? Um, so I think my my first one is uh, I, I, th- I think the prompt is what's your like uh, the the ideal relationship, uh, and my answer is what? Oh, I, I didn't know that was a prompt. Yeah, the the the, the, the prompt is my ideal relationship, uh, and my answer is where we spend uh 90% of our time doing our own thing and 10% of our time together oh nice that, okay that, that's got a high hit rate really nice yeah, it really does like and that often gets comments people are like oh my god this sounds like the dream like it's quite a polarizing oh nice yeah that sounds like a good filter that, that's a great one um and the other one is uh if 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 wanting if if liking this is wrong i don't want to be right oh nice uh, that, that's the prompt and my answer is uh long road trips listening to audiobooks at double speed nice yeah uh, and the final one is the Princess Jasmine one. That all that has a very very low hit rate. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're still searching for your Princess Jasmine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to find a man. Yes, searching for the Jasmine to your Jafar. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Hmm. What what are the other date? I'm just going to Google like dating app tropes because I think they're very revealing. First time I select all the images with chimneys. <laughs> okay. The first uh, article is 10 Tinder profile tropes that need to die ASAP. Oh, great. L magazine. When is <laughs> this? When, uh, what, what year is this? This was from Jan 2016. Okay. So oh, okay. things have probably moved on since. Maybe they've died since then. Yeah. Well, I think one trope is standing uh, on top of Machu Picchu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A quite common thing. Identifying a sapiosexual is apparently a trope. Is that the attractive insect? Yeah. I've always found it a bit weird and cringe. And I don't really think, I think it's just, yeah, it's just just cringe, mate. Uh, apparently a trope for guys is to be making out with a woman in one of the photos. Oh. <laughs> apparently that's not, I shouldn't do that. I'd better update my uh, my profile then. Mm, it's gotta be. <laughs> Being a white guy with dreadlocks, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Number six on this list is, their profile starts with a misquote of the Lord of the Rings line, not all those who wander are lost. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen that. Maybe it's, it's died already. Yeah, it is not too interesting, basically. Mm. Do you see any, like, YouTube tropes? Is it quite the same thing? Mm. Like, on Twitter, for example, I see that lots of people who are from the UK but live in the US very strongly identify as, as Brits in the US. Mm. Like, I think, yeah, al- like, honestly, almost every Brit <laughs> in, the, in the US has in their Twitter bio or in their location something around how they're from the UK, but they now, now live in the US. And that seems to be a very core part of their, their identity now. Um, yeah, I wonder what's going on there. I should ask them, ask them about it. Yeah, I think the dating app thing is interesting. Like, it, it sort of goes to, our, to, 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 to a, con- a conversation we had on a, on a controversial podcast episode a few months ago, uh, talking about like signaling masculine traits versus signaling like traditionally feminine traits. Right. Um, 
and so my I've got I've I've got, I've got this friend, you know, the one who, I've, I've I've got this friend who who has lots of success on dating apps, allegedly, uh, where his whole his whole spiel is like you've you've got to, you've just got to signal traditionally masculine traits on on a dating profile. Anything that could even be slightly mis like construed as being not a masculine trait should just be scrubbed completely. And so he'd have interesting thoughts about your Hugh Grant thing. Yeah, run across <laughs> him. I'm curious what he thinks. Yeah. I'll send him a screenshot and be like, right, can you can you do an analysis of this uh, of this dating profile? What do you what do you reckon? Yeah. Any other signaling trends or meme trends? Let me scroll through like a sort of fairly normy meme page for Instagram. Yeah, I think a very normy one I follow is called Memes Are. <clears throat> I think identify with liking to sleep a lot <laughs> is uh, mm. is another thing, and you know I think yeah, narratives around workism and productivity and things like that it's, it's cathartic to be able to say really against them yeah to kind of yeah i guess so. i can all right cool should we uh should we call it a day all right cool do you want to read a review let's do it oh yeah just finally on the topic of memes i found my new favorite meme format it's <laughs> it's, it's the allegory of, of the cave <laughs> from plato <laughs> someone else oh like, i didn't I, did, I didn't quite understand what that was meant to be like it's it's so in depth i think it's the most it's certainly the most complex meme format I've uh, participated in before. I'm not even going to try and explain it. Okay. Um, <laughs> explain it when we do our episode where we've minted NFTs out of your memes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did a, I did an allegory of the cave meme that kind of takes the piss out of um, tech people on Twitter. Mm. And that was an absolute banger. Like it made quite the splash. I think there's an even better one to be done about... So the productivity industry. Nice. Uh, so I'll, I'll cook one up and send it to you. <laughs> sure. But I think this is, this is just going to, oh, it's going to call out a lot of people. Excellent. <laughs> this is a five-star review from Holy Sea in Australia. Uh, the review just says, I want a skincare routine from both of you. Oh, I'm actually working on a video. It's going to be called my productive skincare routine. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's going to be lit. I've got a pretty great skincare routine these days. Evidence-based. I'll have you know. Yeah. What is it? Wake well, up and sit in your I bathrobe. Can't, I can't until... reveal it until the video. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty lit. Nice. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.